Well, all right. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Hanging out with you right here from the East Valley Institute of Technology. Every week you guys uh, join us, uh, especially our weekend listeners. I can never, never forget you guys. Always honored and uh, privileged, quite frankly, to take you guys on a journey, an automotive journey, where we highlight, highlight the automotive good works. And uh, we got a show for you. So let's turn this up. As we do every week, we tell you to visit on over to WrenchNation.tv. Where you can enjoy, well, an array of guests from Wayne Carini, Princess Borwani out of uh, India, automotive artist. Just a passionate array of individuals that take pride and passion every day in what they do. And we say that sincerely because a lot of you listening right now this afternoon or perhaps on the weekend in the morning and and uh, yeah, you may have had a long day. You may have had, well, a long week. And you reflect. And I think it's worthy as we kind of come into this new year to reflect about some of those things. I get it. A lot of you, you went on and said, I'm going to try this out for the new year. I'm going to develop new habits. I'm going to develop new behaviors. Those biceps, I'm going to crank them out. And then what happens is you get around Valentine's Day and it kind of just all falls apart. So why not take a moment to recenter on the things that you just simply enjoy? It doesn't have to be complicated. And part of the mantra of this show is that we like to extend that out by highlighting many guests, uh, whether we've, you know, whether it's a Craig Jackson from Barrett Jackson, many of you are hanging out at the Barrett Jackson show, or a local automotive service mechanic technician who's working for you day in and day out. And and I tell all my parents that are hanging out with us, um, we are, if you're listening to us in North Dakota on the podcast or California, we are proud to broadcast this show out of a technical trade education center. And we truly hope that you listening are supporting these institutions across the country. It's important. Now, some of you say, well, Frank, you're ragging on me. I, I already do. I send my check. Well, that's fine, but it's not about the money. It's about the level of participation, specifically with these instructors. I don't care if you've got an automotive instructor, a welding instructor, somebody that's willing to learn how to basket weave, that basket weaving instructor. What do instructors need help with? They need you to come in the class and say, hey, I'm the professional basket weaver. Hey, I'm the professional automotive operator, collision, bodywork, garage. They just want help from the industry. And that's why we're proud to have the East Valley Institute of Technology as the anchor. Uh, and quite frankly, that's what makes this country great, man. We've got trades out there, and uh, we have an amazing event. I want to get this out, and we're going to introduce our show topic and a very special guest that's going to be hanging out with us, cover some news. And my rant on towing, what you people are not getting right by tow trucks. Going to tell you. EBIT's got their expo uh, January 25th from 9 to 1. Now, what does this mean? A lot of you, you kind of shut down when you hear expo. You're like, oh, okay, what's an expo? I get lost. There's too much stuff going on. I just, unless it's WWF, UFC related, the gun show. A lot of you are going to gun show expos and things like that. Well, how about supporting 
career training programs, uh, over 40 of them here uh, at the East Valley Institute of Technology. There's going to be a lot of food, games, tours, all kinds of good stuff. My parents, I know you're listening. You got a child right now, a youngster, that's giving you some resistance. They may not be college-bound. I'm not saying they're going to get into trouble either. You got a kid that may, you think he's confused, but he's not. He likes to tinker. She likes to tinker. Give them an opportunity. Worst case scenario for you guys is that they end up spending a few years understanding the overwhelming technology that's under hood. Now, I get it. Uncle Louie, you're listening. You're saying, well, it ain't like it used to be, and you're damn right. We're not tuning in carburetors, and we're not just flipping spark plugs out like there's no tomorrow. We're talking about control the air network. We're talking about uh, 100 million lines of code on a new F-150. How about that? In fact, I'd invite you. Don't call me a mechanic. You can call me an automotive technician, but by next year, you may be calling me a network engineer. Because <laughs> we are communicating. So I invite you to explore the campus, explore the classes. There's a fine array. So uh, East Valley Institute of Technology, January 25th, 9 to 1. Now, we talked about this whole deal with tow trucks. Now, many of you, it's out of sight, out of mind. I ah, don't worry about tow trucks. But you do worry when you break down. Or worse yet, God forbid, you get into a collision. Who's your favorite friend? A tow truck. Well, I want to remind you something, people. It's really important. These tow trucks are running and gunning to get you out of trouble. And currently, and I got to say, most states have the equivalent of what we call the move over law. And that means if you guys see a tow truck or flashing lights or our law enforcement, our first responders, move over a lane, man. Give them room. I talked to a tow truck driver today, and um, I had to slow him down a little bit. He towed in a vehicle for us. I think it was a crank no start. Had to slow him down. He was pretty upset, and he's been doing this for a while. He knows he knows what's going on, but he is tired, and many tow truck drivers are tired of what could be a deadly. I'm talking 23 highway workers and one officer are killed every month, people. So how about we slow it down, man? Give them a lane. And I'd like to follow up with something to that, not related directly to this move over law. Don't beat up these tow truck drivers by way of cost. Now, I'm going to get flack. I know a lot of you guys are going to call me and, well, I negotiate everything. These guys are humping. And if they give you a price, it's factored in to support what they're doing, to pay their employees, to maintain the truck, to do all these things. So, Last look, you can negotiate tomatoes somewhere, but don't negotiate our folks behind that tow truck because they are out truly to help you out. So that's my little rant and observation, and I want you guys to be aware of that. Let's get into the show topic where, um, before we get into some news. Uh, we are incredibly fortunate and honored to have a fourth-generation auto repair professional. I want to take you guys behind the scenes. We are going to step back. You know, we talk a lot about a modern-day garage but I'd like to go back. What's it like as a fourth-generation auto repair professional? And actually, uh, this individual, Mitch Schneider, Mitch Schneider, has a wonderful novel out uh, titled Misfire, What to Do When Things Aren't Running on All Cylinders. Now, you don't have to be a gearhead to understand that life sometimes, it ain't what it cut out to be sometimes, and it ain't running on all cylinders. And I can tell you, this book, Misfire, that was uh, 
very well written by Mitch Schneider. He took his time to reflect and offer a bit of wisdom on his experiences in life as well as, hey, behind the scenes in an automotive garage from a, sort of an old school and slowly get into this new school perspective. So we're going to have Mitch Schneider on. I want to ask him and for us, what's a big difference over the last 40 years? Now, some of you don't care because you drive, you click the key, boom, you go. But if I can take you into the mindset of the real and raw of an actual working garage, as we do every week, we try to give you tidbits from the garage that's going to give you a different perspective. Now, you can get on a YouTube and look up how to fix this, that, and the other thing, and it's a gamble. You throw the dice, maybe it fixes it, maybe it doesn't. But if I can add to your investigation about what it takes in a garage, that'll give you a perspective. So Mitch Schneider uh, is going to join us here shortly. I'm absolutely honored to have Mitch Schneider on. Uh, he's an industry educator, seminar facilitator, blogger, and, of course, author of the acclaimed novel Misfire. Uh, I'd like to move on to some fascinating fun. Some of you decided the new year, we got to have more fun in life. I agree with you. Loosen up. Well, Six Flags out in Magic Mountain in Los Angeles, just in that north L.A. area, they decided, boy, we need to revamp some things out here regarding our roller coasters. How many of you remember West Coast Customs? They're still around, of course. West Coast Customs said, well, you know what? We have a thing or two we can say about going fast. Six Flags says, well, we know how to go fast on, uh, on these rails. What can we do? Well, Six Flags came together, and they put together with West Coast Customs, West Coast Racers. It's the world's first single-track quadruple launch racing coaster. Some of you getting ready to head out there. Go check out Six Flags. The ride will hit 55 miles an hour. For all my road coaster fanatics, you're like, okay, I get it. I've been on 55. But the track isn't all straights. A lot of you have seen the 55-mile-an-hour runs, and, you know, it's all straight. Shoot up like Vegas. They drop you from the thing, and then boom, you're going pretty fast. But when you start talking about running some turns, well, you, you've got some speed. It's got 14-track crossovers, side-by-side uh, -side hills, and plenty of overbank turns. They actually really put in some great thought um, to changing up the game a little bit. And so check that out. That's at Six Flags. Uh, as I do, I try to share out with you guys a uh, little bit of tips, you know. And, of course, you can get on WrenchNation.tv, uh, WrenchNation Facebook, Instagram, if you guys have any car problems. Uh, you can always reach out to us there. Now, I've got a lot of calls this year. I don't know what it is. Uh, this year seems uh, so far, it seems like, hey, my fuse is uh, blown. Can you just throw a fuse in? And I'm like, well, I don't think we can just throw a fuse in. How many will agree or perhaps disagree? If your fuse is blown, was it the cause of the fuse on its own? Nope. <laughs> Probably not. How about I take you into your living room? Let's say you plug in that blow dryer. Somebody's in the bathroom. It's busy. You got to get to work. I'm going to use this outlet over here in the living room that normally hangs out with this little tiny little lamp. You put that blower on that sucker and you blow everything. <laughs> that dryer wasn't designed for the amperage rating. So I want you to understand if you're calling around to get service, I get it. You're under the hood. You're checking things and that's cool. 
for most of you that can get underneath all that plastic now, all these new cars, right? Some of you are frustrated. You can't see a thing. All you see is plastic with the branding of that Mercedes or BMW or Honda. Well, if you are in the direction of that fuse as being a, a problem, there's a few things you need to understand. No, a mechanic is not just going to throw a fuse in it. More than likely, you got a short. Now, I use a fuel pump as an example. I go back to that because we had something recently in the garage. We had a fuel pump that over time was drawing excessively. It was on its way out. And it actually strained out uh, not only the fuse, it popped the fuse, but it actually got the fuse plastic seat in its housing. It got it hot, and it you could see a little burn mark. So the fuse is really just sort of the doorknob into a larger problem. You've opened the door and identified a fuse, but once you get into that room, you're going to find there's more stuff. So make sure that if you are going into your automotive garage, you always ask, hey, What's it take to find out what's wrong with my car? And by the way, I checked the fuse. I replaced it. It keeps blowing. I'd like to add to the fuse situation one thing that's very common. You're coming into the garage, your check engine light, you're going through emissions. That light doesn't seem to work for emissions. They say, hey, it's not communicating. Well, a lot of these cars will share the same circuitry if you're trying to get through emissions with the auxiliary port where you're tapping in just about everything except your refrigerator, and that overloads that circuit, pops the fuse, and so you don't have that auxiliary as well as the shared circuit to that data link connector. So I want you guys to be aware of that. I'm excited, man. As we do every week, we're bringing on all kinds of special guests. Uh, Mitch Snyder, fourth-generation auto repair professional and former owner of Schneider's Auto Repair, of course, author of the acclaimed novel Misfire. He's going to take the journey with us. Stay tuned. Wrench Nation. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me, my clients, and they're likely not to come back? Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to PartsAuthority.com. Check locations nationally near you. PartsAuthority.com. I want my mileage back. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG, BG. Bolt-on Technologies, automotive software solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-on Technologies software provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Frank, hanging out with you, Wrench Nation. I'll remind you, get on to wrenchnation.tv. And, of course, if you're dipping out uh, in and out of the live show or perhaps uh, weekend replays throughout, uh, get on to your favorite podcast player. The show is uploaded uh, how about the anxiety and frustration that some of you may experience through life? It happens to all of us. It happens. Where we take that, that very next level, could determine an outcome. 
I've got the author of Mitch Schneider. He's a fourth-generation auto repair professional. Uh, owned uh, Schneider's Auto Repair out of Sema Valley, California. He has a pretty remarkable book. And this story demonstrates how sort of Eastern philosophy and Western pragmatism can reshape not only your business, your family, and what I really dig, your very soul. Let's welcome Mitch Schneider. Mitch, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Frank. It's great to be here. Yeah, an honor to have you on, Mitch, and and I appreciate you spending some time. Mitch, you got to take us back as as sort of an entrepreneur to the younger days of uh, your garage out in California. What was your premise? I mean, were you were you a second generation? Uh, it says fourth generation. So dad did it, grandpa did it. Did you always seem like you would do it? Did that kind of fall into place, or how did that all work when you started? <laughs> well. Um... That's a funny story, really. Uh, well, initially, <laughs> uh, I was working with my dad to help get the, uh, the service station that we opened in Santa Monica, California, off the ground, and um, I was using it as a tool to go to school uh, at night. And uh, my dad wound up uh, getting tendonitis in his hands. He wasn't able to go ahead and hold a wrench. And the two young gentlemen that were working with him in the shop decided that was a really good opportunity to renegotiate uh, their, contract, <laughs> their contracts. And uh, my dad, uh, we're from Brooklyn, and uh, he was a little hard-headed when it came to that. He took him out into the shop, pointed at the toolbox, had him uh, take a look at the wheels on the bottom of their toolboxes, and he said, you know what that's for? And they said, what? And he said, that's so you can roll it up on the sidewalk and get the oh, wow. heck out of here. <laughs> that's why the casters swivel and they're easy to move. <laughs> oh, exactly my goodness. Right. So you found yourself in actuality. It was kind of a part-time gig, helping out here and there. What was that feeling? Now you're full-time, you're prime-time, you're ready to go. What was next for you there as a full-timer with the family yeah. business? I, in order for us to survive at that particular point, I had to be my dad's hands. So I had to actually do the work. And he guided me. And I was, you know, just a kid. I didn't, I didn't really, I thought I knew a lot, but I really didn't know a lot. <laughs> but the first vehicle I worked on was an old Chevy station wagon and uh, was a tune-up, had a misfire. And, uh, and I, I did what he told me to do. And when he finished, he walked by, put a, a glass of water on the air cleaner and uh, Said it was running well and walked away, and I was hooked. I was, it was so. Wait a minute, Mitch. He did. He was doing what Lexus commercials were doing in the last ten years. Your dad was doing that way back when. That was the. Yeah. That was the, the final result, right? That complaint caused correction. The correction test, you've passed. Smooth <laughs> running, and uh, and I was hooked. It was like no alienation, uh, instant gratification. I was taking a psychology class, and I understood perfectly well. That this was the career for me. I, I just and I had an aptitude for it, and I enjoyed it. And uh, and I was always I'd always been in love with linear speed, so that didn't hurt. Right. And uh, and I loved the idea. And we're going back into the you know middle '60s now. I loved the idea that you could make it run better, smoother, faster. Uh, you could make a difference, and the difference was obvious and immediate. You were hooked initially, and and I, I think I think some of that was uh, there had to been some pride to know that, you know, this is the Schneider tribe, the family, and and that had to motivate you as well. And I think we can speak to a lot of family-run businesses sometimes that 
don't always start well, and it starts very much like this. It's like, hey, I got to be the guy or gal that's got to jump in, and you ended up getting hooked. The recessive gene. <laughs> that's it. Uh, Mitch, you, you've been around, uh, and I, you know, and we we've met throughout the years, and you do an amazing job as an educator for the industry and uh, performing powerful seminars throughout. Had you always been this centered by way of heart and separating the mindset that could be based upon our circumstance? You know, perhaps I give it as an example as a younger technician. Maybe there were, you know, it was two or three times before you got it right. Were you always so self kind of self, like sort of centered into a spirit and had that control? What were you like as a younger tech? Um, insecure. Uh, you know, easily in a word, insecure, uh, curious. I think that's what makes great text is curiosity. Um, I, I think that that uh, I realized really early that we were really, as a family, as a shop, as a business, we were really great at fixing cars. We just couldn't make any money. And the harder we tried, the, the harder we worked, um, the more difficult it seemed to be become and then it occurred to me one day that it didn't matter how well you could do a brake job uh, or a tune-up if you couldn't sustain yourself if you couldn't support yourself um, in doing that you wouldn't be doing it for very long so I started to uh, to really explore the uh, the business end of the business and I was fortunate because that didn't happen so early in my career that I couldn't appreciate it. So you spent some years, happened. Mitch, you did spend some years where it was a tough go. There was a passion for it. The family was together. But, man, at the end of the day, we were really trying to scratch out a living. So that's a pivotal point for you. What what uh, made you transition and finally say, hey, we we got to change some ways here? Well, I can honestly say it was it wasn't it wasn't years. It was decades. It was. It was uh, I had an opportunity to address the Equipment and Tool Institute in 1984, and they wanted a state of the industry uh, address, and and they chose me. I, w I was the second choice. The first guy um, decided that he wasn't going to do it after he said he would. So um, I wrote a state of the industry address, and I was really angry. I was frustrated. I couldn't make a living. I knew I couldn't send my kids. Um, to the colleges that they could go, that they were smart enough to attend, and I was frustrated and I was angry, and I had attended this, and that's what started my writing career. But soon after that, I was asked to give that same address at the first Congress of Automotive Repairs and Services, and that exposed me to um, management and leadership aspects of the industry that were really very, very, um, they were hidden at that time. There were very few people uh, involved in that. Um, and Unlike today, where we do see there is a progressive movement, back in the mid-'80s, there weren't a whole lot of coaching groups. There, were, there weren't, really weren't any. The, the only person out there, the one person who made the, the biggest difference uh, on my life at that particular moment at, at CARS, at the Congress of Automotive Repairs and Services, was a gentleman named Dick Vinay, who was an accountant who specialized in automotive clients. And, and for the first time, I heard somebody talking about the importance of running a business that fixed cars and not just fixing cars for the esoteric joy of fixing them. And, and, uh, and I think that was the pivotal point for me. 
Well, I got to share with you, and I, I think we met last at a, at a conference, and I want to share this with our audience because I think it's really, really important. A lot of you listening right now, you have a struggle, and you are passionate about what you do, but part of that passion is the mindset that you got this. You're in business because you know what you're doing. I went into business. I'm good enough to go into business. And you fail to realize that you really got to open up to mentorship. And where I share with you, Mitch, I want to declare, we talked about it briefly. It was a busy conference. And you saved my business in 1995. There was no internet, no YouTube. Coaching was around, but it was limited, not like today. And guess what Frank had to do every evening? I picked up a publication from the industry, and there was Mitch Schneider's article. And you resounded with me, and I do speak for the industry, and I want to acknowledge that. Because nowadays, we're set in the wrong path, because the internet is too much stuff. And too much stuff can lead you in the wrong direction. And when you can connect with another spirit that has the same trials and tribulations, that's mentorship in a quiet way. And I want to thank you for that because I was the same as many of our listeners. And it doesn't have to be automotive. Be a small business running a donut shop, a small business running a dry cleaner. You love what you do at the end of the day. Your spouse says, hey, you're not coming home to your daughter. Hey, we got bills to pay. And you, through your wisdom, your light spirit, I'm telling you, Mitch, you saved me personally and my business because you allowed that process to take place by transparently saying, hey, this took place. You were light spirit about it. And in most occasions, you absolutely had a keen way of offering a nice solution of <laughs> a peace of mind. So I want to acknowledge that. And, and I think at the end of the day, Mitch, I think we can all agree for those that are starting in business, boy, take on a coaching group. Take on someone that you can kind of get under. No matter how good you are and certified and mastered in your profession, you got to take that on. And Mitch, you're saying that mid-'80s cars – that accountant really did it for you. I, first of all, thank you. I, I, I'm deeply humbled by your words, I, uh, and I deeply appreciate it. This has been this has been my mission um, since since cars, uh, and and it was the realization that there were so many other people like me, like us, who who were so passionately committed to the art of repairing cars, um, service and maintaining them. And, and had little or no business knowledge and needed that knowledge in order to sustain themselves and survive and ultimately succeed. And, uh, and, and um, it's one of the reasons, I mean, it certainly it's one of the reasons I wrote the eight manuals I did on automotive shop management. And it's certainly the reason that I wrote, uh, that I wrote Misfire uh, to get that message out to a greater, uh, a greater universe of, of small business owners and operators yeah, and, and it's it's well written. I'll remind you, folks, if you're just joining us, uh, uh, we've got uh, entrepreneur, master technician, martial artist. We're going to get to the martial artist aspect here in a moment. Trade journalist and, of course, uh, author of Misfire, Remarkable Journey, that 
Sort of begins when a broken car and a broken contractor pull into the most unconventional auto repair shop imaginable and throughout that develop life-learning principles on profit, on the anxiety and frustration that can come with uh, that old process, and, and more importantly, sort of this natural transformation that can take place. That book can be found on Amazon.com. Uh, Mitch Schneider, we, we definitely got to get into the whole aspect of karate. Were you a karate uh, individual, martial arts? How did that come in life? Um, right about the same time. You were so frustrated, you had to beat up some bags. <laughs> I had to. Well, I had to release energy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I had. I had this excess of energy, and uh, and I needed. I needed to channel it, and uh, and started out with uh, Okinawan karate, and uh, Ishinryu, which is a, a more recent hybrid, made up of Gojinryu and Shorinryu, um, and then went from that to Kempo, Hawaiian Kempo. And uh, went from Kenpo to Chinese Kenpo. Wow. And uh, then a little, threw in a little Krav Maga for an Israeli aspect of it and, uh, and some Tai Chi. Do you think or, uh, it's hand in hand, Mitch? For those that are really diligently working their craft and skills, boy, there's got to be some sort of physical activity or mental activity to release is that part of a problem of for an entrepreneur is that they're so wound up in their craft they're they're not able to take care of their mind in their physical aspect i i think the demands the demands of running a business i think that people fail to realize that if you don't manage your time intelligently the business will manage it for you oh, and yeah. i I think that, that uh, I realized at some point that, that I wanted my business to work as hard for me as I was working for it. And I didn't feel that. I didn't see it. And, uh, and, and the business didn't reflect it in the early years until I started to recognize the importance of process and, uh, and uh, systems and uh, how critically important it was. And, you know, the Chinese definition of insanity is doing the same thing the same way every time you do it, but expecting the results. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's true. It is so true. And unfortunately, we we don't face it until a lot of us, it's it's really dire, like there's a fire. And, and, oh, gosh, I got to, I really, if, you know, I got to put this fire out. And now I'm learning this. So, Mitch, I want you to hang on. We, unfortunately, we got to take a quick break. Uh, If you're just tuning in, we're honored to have Mitch Schneider. Uh, You can find the book Misfire, Amazon.com. When things aren't running on all cylinders across the board for small business and life. Stay tuned. Ranch Nation, next. Here are the three C's of high performance in less than 60 seconds. Your engine piston rings must have good compression, which makes good combustion, which saves cash at the pump. But you lose compression when piston rings clog with carbon. Today's engines use low tension rings, which clog much easier, which lowers compression, combustion, and the amount of cash in your pocket with higher fuel cost and expensive repairs. This problem can be fixed as fast as your next oil change. The best service shops use a BG product that cleans the engine and accomplishes the three C's in just 15 minutes. It has three letters, E, P, 
EPR, as in engine performance restoration that cleans piston rings and restores compression, which increases and saves you. Find a shop with BG products BG. at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. So, at your next oil change, remember the three C's. You'll find more of this in your engine and this in your pocket when you clean your engine with BG. back wrench nation of uh, frank hanging out with you just a reminder Susie's not on today she's back at the garage and of course uh come by the garage desert car gear channel give us a big old hug and you get a nice shout out on the show uh we've got tom smith and jenny q i'm not gonna she didn't want her last name she stopped by the garage we appreciate you guys and of course Riz, uh, head on over to wrenchnation.tv pick out your favorite uh show uh, relax when you can Life can get busy and, and catch some of those episodes. Uh, we are honored to have a fourth generator, uh, generation auto repair professional and former owner of Schneider's out there in uh, SEMA Valley, uh, industry educator, seminar facilitator, just an overall rock star for the industry. You know, Mitch, you've really, you've really propelled and transitioned many because you mentioned this in the mid 80s. You were really seeking out and it just wasn't there and you took the bull by its horn, and I, I'm sure that inspired you to do more because there was this gap. And, and, and so what happens to individuals, right, we, we find ourselves learning and, and now finally growing, and we're like, hey, we got to tell the rest of the world how this is done. Talk to us about that transition and, and what really lifted you to the next level by way of all these great articles and uh, training manuals and so on. Well, as you mentioned before, one of the problems was trying to find resource material that was dedicated to our industry. And, uh, and I started looking elsewhere for books on leadership and management and, and uh, uh, those related subjects that were written really for other people, more academic environments, and then synthesizing the information that I found there, and then and then regurgitating it, bring it back, bringing it back like a like a mother bird feeding its young to the industry, trying to help bring that information uh, that was lacking to other shop owners like myself who were having the same struggles that I was, and it and it worked. I mean, it, it seems to have worked. It, it's certainly been doing it long enough. You have. I mean, you've you've affected a lot of change, not only. Uh you know, with uh, boots on the ground in, in these uh, facilities, these automotive enterprises, but you've influenced a whole generation of other coaches and, uh, coaches and instructors. Now, I've got to ask you, because some would say, man, there's just too much information available. Do you find that a lot of operators and entrepreneurs just have way too much on their plate by way of tackling too much? And here we are going into the new year. What's your advice regarding choosing your battles of receiving information? Uh, I, well, I, I think you know you have to find a trusted source. You have to find somebody that, that somebody whose message resonates for you. Somebody that's talking directly to you. Um, in the book, I, I limited the key performance indicators, the business metrics that we were talking about, to just twelve. Um, and I think that those twelve is a great place to start that journey. Because uh, if if you and, it, and regardless of what kind of business you have, it doesn't have to be an automotive repair shop. Um, there are other key performance indicators that are that are specific to what it is you do, 
that are critical to success in your industry and understanding what that's all about. So uh, I, I think that that's one of the ways that you do it. Um, and you start, you start any journey by starting. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and not being discouraged. Yeah, no doubt. We had Derek Daly on a uh, formerly one racer back in the, uh, eighties, uh, Indy 500 and so on. He was on last week and of course he had a great career in broadcasting and he had said something about not only just showing up, but come on people do some homework. <laughs> you know, uh, we want an able-bodied human being with some blood and, and, but I agree, you got to show up, and some of us are just so, well, let's face it, we're, we're fearful, and some of that fear doesn't really translate in an open-faced way as, well, I'm scared. We tend to go that opposite, and we get too aggressive, and we, get, we, we sort of put a defensive posture. Um, I'm sure that you've seen that, where if you can loosen somebody up a little bit about the truth in their business and the truth of who they are, they can kind of relax a little and get down to the brass taxes. I'm sure you've seen that with folks. Well, it, it, you know, frustration is, is, is uh, responsibility without authority. And, you know, a lot of business owners are so busy working in their business. They're so busy. They're so busy doing the, the physical mechanical repairs involved being the best technician on the shop floor that they lose track of of the of guiding their business forward leading their business forward and managing the everyday operations and and that's you know it's tragic when when that happens uh, it, you see it you see it all the time and you see um, people dig in because they don't want to admit uh what they don't know, you know, I've taught for years the four stages of knowledge. Uh, you don't know what you don't know, which is ignorance. Uh, everybody starts there. The second stage is you know what you don't know, the beginning of wisdom. The third stage is my favorite, personally, is you don't know what you know. You've accumulated <laughs> so much knowledge that you actually know more stuff than you think you know. God, I, I, I boy, if you're not humble about it, if you think you're on top of your game, <laughs> you can easily and, fall off that chair. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you, and the fourth stage is you know what you know, which is, you know, confidence. Sure. Giving you the, the opportunity to start all over again. Yeah. To, re, you know, to challenge yourself more. Yeah. Do you think a lot of folks, uh, whether it's in the automotive industry or what have you, any small business, I mentioned a little bit uh, in the last segment about, gosh, we have to be so positive. And uh, in fact, I was mentioning to my, my service crew that we're yes people. I mean, we are yes people. I mean, we want to take care of people. And, and, and part of my problem, as I share, and, and folks know we're as transparent as we can be with the show, is that we end up saying yes to things that we have no business saying yes to. And we haven't chose, for example, I will tell you, uh, some of our listeners, they have a transmission problem. And they'll go down to a local garage that's specialized, but does not do transmissions. And, you know, some folks don't understand. The transmission is a different kind of beast these days. It's not like a, a simple three or four. I mean, there's nine speeds and such. Do you find that a lot of folks in business take off a lot more than they can because they haven't really understood... The hardest thing in business, in my opinion, is how to say no. Well, I, I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's hard I, for me. I'll tell you, it's something I work at. How to say no and be nice. No, it's, it's the most important 
two letters that you'll ever put together in business is learning how to say no and, and recognizing what you're good at and what you should be doing and where your time should be effectively spent or is best spent and, and recognizing uh, that it's okay. And, and, you know, that comes from a place of deep fear and insecurity. And, and that's one of the things that you really need to transcend if you're going to be successful at anything is getting so past true. that fear, getting past that small, still voice that's whispering in your ear saying, no, Frank, you can't do that. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I mean, I think it's a... That, Frank. They're it, going to laugh at you. It's but, tough. You know, it's it like a, from... it's a double-edged sword. Like, we, we truly do. And and you learn over years. I mean, I, I think uh, many listening now on that first, uh, you know, first year, okay, I made it. 50% failure is what they... Or 90%, right? 90% will fail mm-hmm. the first year. Okay, year two. I've made it. I continue to year three, and part of why we made it, we think, is because, boy, we said yes to everything. I'm not calling a plumber. I have no clue how to fix that, but I've got to fix it. (laughs) Well, and, you know, a lot of it, too, i I got to bring this up before I lose this thought. I think it's important. I think a lot of our folks can really tie into this. We certainly can, you and I for sure, is that when we first start off in business because, you know, uh, we didn't have the greatest financial business plan like we, we didn't have money and and so we almost have to do everything and it's hard to separate from that budget out accordingly especially like you say with the 12 steps of uh, key indicators that really hone in a business health we struggle because financially we just said hey you know I love what I do I know I can do this my wife backs me my family says you're a rock star go for it and here we are now we find out whoa my sales, 30% of my sales now have to pay for the rent. And how do you transition out of that? I, you know, I, I think I was really lucky. We opened a service station in Santa Monica in 66. And uh, part of the service dealer training school was, was an instructor um, who just beat us up for the, the two weeks that we were in that school. And the, the one thing that he stressed more than anything else was it ain't your money. You know, it, it, first he, he said, it's not how much money you make, it's how much you get to keep, which really didn't register with me until decades later. But the one thing that did register with me was it ain't your money. It, the money is the government's money. It's your vendor's money. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's somebody else's money, and you just get to keep what's left over. So you've got to make sure that something's left over. Yeah. I mean, that happened to me, my first uh, business. Um, I loved people. I loved taking care of people. But... Yeah, you start dipping into that tax money. You, you know, you you think it's well that gross sale. That's not that's not you. That's not your money. You better reserve. So, um, one thing that was interesting um, that I witnessed, and of course you certainly have seen major major transitions, not only on the technology front, um, but certainly by way of the consumer. Consumers are savvy, and we're grateful. As, as, as business owners, we want that. The more educated a consumer is, the more empowerment they have. And at the end of the day, we're hopeful that we have a nice, easy landing when they make that first phone call about pursuing you know, automotive service. Did you have a different mindset to consumers without the Internet? You, you probably did. What were some of the challenges back in the day with consumers? Was it still, hey, how much, how much, how much? Well, I think that, you know, price is always a consideration because it's the only thing that the consumer, uh, certainly back then, the only thing the consumer could talk about. They couldn't watch YouTube. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there, was, there wasn't anything like that. So when they came in, it, the, the, one, the only thing that they could discuss was price. 
because they certainly didn't, under, even then, when they, the machines were simpler than they are today, they still didn't really know how they worked. They didn't really understand uh, what made that, that, I can't tell you how many people we had. We used to joke around as that people thought that, that it, was, uh, it was just like a refrigerator with wheels, that you could just tip it over and roll it down the street. And, <laughs> and that, that couldn't be further from the truth. There was still a lot of technology there, even in the 60s and the 70s, and as it was transitioning the, you know, to electronics. Uh, but I don't. Th- I don't think the issue of, of price in that discussion has changed, and it's still a consideration because the cost has gone up as high as it has. Yeah, it has for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can. You certainly. I. I don't. Honestly, I. I. The way I feel is, I don't think you could have the same go as someone just starting out today with the technology and and now really hard costs. Like you cannot cheat. I cheated with my first garage. Like all you needed was a halfway working up, up, you know, two post lift, a broken, you know, jack or what have you, and lots of hand movement and skill set there. But now, boy, you can't even communicate with these things, uh, and and that's uh, uh, it's a tougher go these days. You you need an investment before opening. Well, I, I think that's true, and I I think that that you, there's got to be a way for shop for any business owner. Let's not even say shop owners for any business owner to begin a discussion of value right. and the value added that they bring to this relationship and the importance of having a relationship, of knowing the client, knowing the car, uh, knowing the customer, making sure that you understand their wants, needs, and expectations and that you're, you're able to address them. And, and, and I think that starts um, with understanding your why, understanding why you're doing this in the first place. And I think most shop owners have a deep need to serve, and they understand that service is a verb, that something has to transpire. And I, I think that that's critical. And, and in some instances, it gets, us, it gets us into trouble, and it has. And I've been there and done that, too. Um, but also, it, it, helps you, it helps you sleep at night. Absolutely. When you understand that mission, you understand why you're there, and you know, you know, I, 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 fortunately enough for the consumer, um, it's a lot more difficult to Shylock a, sh- a consumer today, I believe, uh, with the information available. And really, quite frankly, representing a lot of great garages out there, you've got a lot of great operators. You, you almost cannot survive and do it right and fix things right these days with technology. I think that's a win for consumers. Uh, Mitch, hang tight. We're going to cut to break, but... I want to just reset here. If you're just joining us, we've got the author of Misfire, What to Do When Things Aren't Running on All Cylinders, a fascinating story of a business owner's unorthodox path to success. Some of you can kind of relate. Mitch has gotten over 40 years of experience in the industry, and boy, this book is amazing. you got to catch it on uh, Amazon, Misfire, What to Do When Things Aren't Running on All Cylinders, Ranch Nation. Stay tuned. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me, my clients, and they're likely not to come back? Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to partsauthority.com. Check locations nationally near you, partsauthority.com. This is Wrench Nation. Car talk, car culture, car tips, car music, all that is car. 
Welcome back, Ranch Nation. Get on over to RanchNation.tv. Check out uh, some of your shows. In fact, on the educational front, uh, we had uh, show number 182, Education and Training for Collision Repair Technicians. Uh, a lot of you are just sort of getting started. Uh, we had the whole thing as Trump announced the tariff situation. Uh, had a whole show on tariff wars and trade battles, how that's going to affect, uh, uh, well, our industry. I think we may be on our way. It's hard to say with this uh, recently announced uh Tara, phase one. And then lastly, I've got to remind you guys, uh, we were honored to have uh, Legends of Speed, that historic race exhibit over at the uh, Phoenix Art Museum, where, gosh, you've got 20 of the legendary cars by Maserati, Mercedes, Alfa Romeo. That exhibit at the Phoenix Museum is running through March, a great time for family. And many of you have got, uh, uh, well, my snowbird family, you're in town, and Bring, bring the whole tribe and head on over. It's a wonderful race exhibit. Uh, of course, we've got Mitch Schneider on. Let's welcome back Mitch. Mitch, are you there? I am. Awesome. Uh, boy, you've got a lot of heart and soul. Who in your family was responsible for this situation? Uh, my mother and father, both. This is awesome. Both, both my mo- mom and dad. I was fortunate enough to be partners with my dad for 38 years and uh, worked with my mother for 40 was Dad volatile? Dad sounded like he had some chutzpah. My father was uh, the ultimate Zen <laughs> oh. mechanic technician, only he didn't know it. So he was really a chill, relaxed? Is, is that what we're saying? <laughs> no, the total opposite. Sorry, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean you, to laugh. No, I, you know, chill and relaxed are not words I'd use to describe my father. All right, that's what I thought, because you mentioned Brooklyn, and, you know, I thought, no, okay, no, wait, no, yeah. No. He, was, he was about as intense as you could get, and 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 quiet and never ever taught a lesson that didn't end in a question so you learn by discovery it's it's all you you figure it out yeah that was uh, you know that was it that 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 scene in the book about the broken bolt yes um, that was him that wow. was me and him <laughs> so uh yeah no he was uh but he was he was brilliant in leading you to those discoveries that made you a better person and he was he was moral and ethical he was the guy who did the right thing because it was the right thing to do when no one was looking that's phenomenal because we don't always get that lesson uh in some occasions especially in business it'd be close to just too late you could be shutting your doors down if you if you don't stick to that my dad Um, i I worked with my dad um hundreds of hours uh, a week in some cases. Uh, and in the 38 years that we worked together, I never heard him lie, ever, to anyone about anything. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, Mitch, I want to give you an opportunity to send folks to your website. Where can they find you? do a daily vlog, is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's okay. misfirebook.com. M-I-S. As- F-I-R-E-B-O-O-K dot com, misfirebook.com. And, of course, we'll and have that all over there. our Ranch Nation Facebook for you, absolutely. That's awesome. Before we go, we've got about a minute. A lot of youngsters are listening. What's your advice to someone that's got the passion that may be frustrated right now, may not be given the opportunity by way of his family, or for that matter, he's knocking on doors and it seems like no shop wants to hire him? If you want it. Go for it. 
find the right shop owner, find somebody who wants to teach you, who wants to help you, who wants to see you grow and learn. Um, be patient. Uh, listen more than you talk. Recognize that, that uh, wisdom's the most valuable commodity of all. It's the only thing that no one can take from you once you possess it. Um, you have an opportunity to make more money by accident in this industry than all of us that have been working so hard for all these years made on purpose up until now because the shortage of qualified technicians is going to drive um, is going to drive your opportunities to succeed um, skyward well said I, I love that uh, there is uh, uh, I mean there currently is an opportune time to take advantage of your destiny if you want to tinker with cars. We mentioned the whole no thing because it it, uh, seems like a lot of good garages for that matter. It seems like uh, they're so busy and and I've I've been on this kick, Mitch, and I think you'll agree. Stop hiring and start mentoring, man. Well, I mean, do you really need, with productivity, what it is across the industry and efficiency, what it is across the industry, do you really need to hire or do you just need to become more productive? Absolutely. Well said. Mitch Schneider, fourth-generation auto repair professional, author of Misfire, an incredible novel, What to Do When Things Aren't Running on All Cylinders. Find it all over Amazon. Share with a friend. Mitch, man, I am. Uh, I, we got to do this again, hopefully soon in person, but definitely we want to line you up for perhaps uh, sometime summer and follow up and see how things are going. An honor to have you on. Thank you so much, Mitch Schneider. I am. Uh, I'm. I can't thank you enough for this opportunity. I've really had a great time talking to you and your listeners. Um, it, well, it, it, it's, it's elegant when you're dealing with somebody who really knows what they're doing. Well, you did that for so many years for many of us in the automotive industry, and we do thank you. Thank you, Mitch. There you have it. An unbelievable uh, testament to... Uh, Going forward, man, uh, 40 years, 50 years. Could you see yourself 40 years from now? you got wisdom out there. you got folks out there that are at that level. Don't forget to get hip to hip with those individuals that have some experience. Set YouTube aside. We're not yakking YouTube, but you want to get knee deep. Where could you be five years from now, 10 years from now? Talk to somebody that's been doing it. 40 years. Hey, I'll be out at Barrett Jackson doing some media for you guys. I'd love to see you out there tomorrow, Thursday, as well as uh, Saturday. We'll be hanging out with Ranch Nation. As I tell you every week, people, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic. Hey!